I hope that in our conversations with one another that we could all say yes, that Jesus indeed speaks wonderful words of promise to us. Just let that soak in. Jesus, I, Jesus has committed to building us up, not tearing us down. Jesus has committed himself to blessing us, not condemning us. Jesus has committed himself to tell us what's within us that can come out of us rather than telling us the things that are wrong. We've got to remember that. Jesus speaks wonderful words of promise to us. And those promises are delivered like they're hand-delivered, you know, like even better than UPS or Federal Express or the United States Post Office. Those are delivered from Jesus by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the messenger. And so Jesus speaks these promises and the Holy Spirit hears that and he delivers. And sometimes uh, those promises are delivered in a dream or a vision. Sometimes those promises are delivered by the Holy Spirit through a dream and a vision given to another and then delivered to us. Sometimes uh, the promises of Jesus delivered by the Holy Spirit come through creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. And then sometimes the promises of Jesus come through the Holy Spirit just illuminating the Bible. It's just like the words in the Bible just jump off the page and register in our heart because Jesus is speaking words of promise to us. Now, every time a promise is delivered, it follows a pathway to fulfillment. Every promise that Jesus speaks to you and I will find fulfillment. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow a pathway. And the pathways of a promise vary tremendously as far as like the length. Some of the promises that Jesus speaks to us have a very short pathway. In my experience, most of the promises Jesus has spoken to me have a long pathway. How long was it between the time God spoke to Abraham, you're going to have a son, did he actually have a son? How long was it? Anybody remember? This is a painful reminder. 25 years. How long was Moses out of Egypt in the wilderness before he was called again to lead the children of Israel out of slavery? How long? Oh, 40. How many of us are under 40 years of age? Oh, gee. But did those promises find fulfillment? Yes. So the pathway can vary in length. What about direction? Sometimes there's a very direct pathway toward the promise. Other times... The pathway has many curves, ups and downs and around, right? It's not all the same. And then some of the pathways of the promise 
are really easy. Wow. Short, direct, easy. Like that, don't you? But what about those pathways toward a promise that are really hard? That's also a possibility. But every promise, I guess got to say it, every promise, regardless of the length, regardless of the direction, regardless of the difficulty, every promise that Jesus speaks to us follows some sort of pathway until its final destination. And he's the one that makes sure we reach that final destination. Push the pause button. I just want you to recall. What is that promise that Jesus has spoken to you? And where are you right now on the pathway? Coming back into the story of Acts... Jesus promised Paul. In Acts 23, 11, his promise to Paul was, cheer up. If he's saying cheer up, what do you think Paul's disposition was? <laughs> Cheerless. The opposite of cheer up. You've given your testimony about me in Jerusalem. Now you will have to do it in Rome. So you've given a testimony in Jerusalem. It's been good, and now you're going to go to Rome. Now that testimony, I think, is a good thing to remind ourselves about what the testimony, what the witness of Paul was. Two places, Acts 23, 6. Paul is speaking in the Sanhedrin. They are rejecting what he is saying. He says, this trial is about the hope. This trial is about the hope. This trial is about the resurrection of the dead. Earlier in Acts 22, 13 to 16, Paul is recalling the time that Ananias, that one of those that delivered, this is what Jesus promised through Ananias to Paul. Hey, Paul, the God of our ancestors, the God of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, The God of our ancestors has chosen you, Saul, Paul, to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear words from his mouth, and you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. What did Saul see? What did Paul see? He saw an incredible light. It was so bright, he went blind. Who was that light? He saw Jesus. He saw Jesus after Jesus died and was resurrected from the dead. Who did he hear? He heard Jesus. Jesus, having died, resurrected from the dead, spoke to Paul. Now, I have not had that experience. I have not had the experience of being blinded by the light. I've not had that experience of like this direct encounter uh, with Jesus. But I can't say that didn't happen to him. I'd have to say he was a liar. His experience is valid, and that's what his testimony was. I got to tell you, can I can I explain that? No, but I can testify to you that Jesus is alive because I've seen him. I've heard him. So that's the testimony that Paul gave both in Jerusalem and now he's going to give it in Rome. 
But do you know what the pathway was between Jerusalem and Rome? Just a few highlights of that pathway. Now, one of the reasons that Jesus said to him, cheer up, cheer up, is because he's in Jerusalem. He's trying to give a good testimony to his fellow Jews, and he is rejected, slapped across the mouth at the order of the high priest. In a situation where people want to tear him limb to limb, they want to literally kill him, and there's reason for him to be a little bit down. I mean, there's actually this vow. Forty people entered a vow. We will make sure that Paul dies. If he doesn't die, curse us with death. That's incredible. So he, I mean, all of that's happening to him. So Jesus, cheer up. You're giving this testimony of me in Jerusalem. You're going to deliver it in Rome as well. And he's under Roman arrest. I mean, like he's under arrest to the point where, you know, we don't, we can't really get to the bottom. I don't know why everybody at the temple's mad at Paul. So, let, you know, let's just, let's just string him up and flog him and he'll be able to tell us. Again, cheer up. I mean, he came so close to being whipped. And, you know, until he spoke up and said, you know, is it, is it legal to uh, whip a Roman citizen without a trial? Oh, we're in trouble now. So that Roman arrest gets him out of time. It gets him out of town, saves his life, gets him to the coast, to Caesarea, where a boat would go to Rome. But there he goes before a governor, Governor Felix. And for two years, wait a minute, I thought the promises of Jesus are supposed to like be quick. For two years, he's in a beautiful spot. If you go to Caesarea, it's not a bad place. And he, and he was really, he was under house arrest. So he got to look out of the Mediterranean. I mean, he got to walk along the beach. I mean, it was a pretty, I mean, it was nice. But it's two years under arrest. As Governor Felix played political games with the Jews played to his advantage. What would really be advantageous has nothing to do with justice for Paul. has everything to do for me as a governor. What can I get out of this deal? And so he has to endure that with this promise. And then another governor comes along, Festus. He plays the same game, except he says, hey, how about we go back to Jerusalem and have your trial there? At that moment, Paul says, you know, you guys, I'm not, I am not going to get a fair trial if we go back to Jerusalem. The same guys that wanted to kill me two years ago are still alive. They're still going to kill me. So I appeal to Caesar, which was his right as a Roman citizen. And then he gets to tell a story to the Herodian king, King Agrippa and Bernice. So he's testifying. He's giving the same story. Jesus is alive. Resurrection is real. There's a God who set himself to setting everything right on the planet. He's giving that, but the promise is languishing. And then he finally gets on a boat. All right, we're going to Rome. And guess what? There's a storm at sea and he's with people that are seamen and they realize we're going down 
this is a horrible storm. We're all going to die. And in the midst of that, Jesus repeats the promise, the same promise. Acts 27, 21 to 26. Friends, he gave away. You really should have listened to me. Back in Crete, because we really ought not to be in the we ought not to be in the Mediterranean right now in this storm. Because God kind of warned us, but we could have avoided all this trouble, all this trial. But there's no there's no need to dwell on that. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. I'm not telling you so. This is what we want to dwell on. From now on, things are looking up. Again, you're in a boat, in a storm. Being, you have no control. You know you're going to wreck. Things are looking up. I can assure you, there'll not be a single drowning among us, although I can't say as much for the ship. The ship itself is doomed. <laughs> you got to love it. But he's, you know... Jesus, in the midst of that, is saying, you know, Paul, I I know it's been a long time. I now know it looks like you're in a life-threatening situation, but I made a promise to you. And I told you, you were a good testimony to me in Jerusalem. You'll do the same in Rome in spite of the storm. So then they're shipwrecked. And then at the moment of the shipwreck, the, the captain of the ship says, well, kill all the prisoners. Wait a minute, time out. I mean, this is like real events. Like Paul's, I mean, like they're really going to kill him so he doesn't escape. They make the appeal. No, we're not going to run anywhere. So now they're castaways on Malta, this island. They're gathering gathering firewood and and this viper latches on to Paul's. So here's a a guy with the promise of Jesus and now a viper. And they all look, he must be a murderer. God's that's God's vengeance. He's gonna let's watch him die now because he's been bit by a snake. So his his passage to Rome, again, is not just a long time, but it's a difficult time. So this pathway of Paul's promise, everything that we wouldn't want the pathway to be, it is. It's long, it's indirect, and it's very hard. And yet what? Jesus fulfills his promises in spite of the length, in spite of the direction, and in spite of the difficulty. Jesus fulfills his promise. Paul arrives in Rome. So that's why I want to come back to you and me. Because Jesus, he remains exactly who he is. I mean, you and I can have exactly the same sort of relationship with Jesus that Paul had. There's, there's, you know, Paul wasn't this extraordinary individual. He was just somebody that responded, just like you and me. He's somebody that listened to what Jesus said. I, I, this is what my purpose for you is. And so as long as he stayed on that purpose, the promises were fulfilled. I mean, he could have gotten off track. And so I want to come back 
to where we kind of started. And that is to, again, ask you, what has Jesus promised you? What has Jesus promised us as a community of people? Because it's not always about me. It's not always about you. It's about us, too. And where are we, or where are you, in this pathway toward the fulfillment of that promise? Now, I want to ask, I'm going to ask you to just be a little bit, you know, transparent in front of all of us. Some of us might be incredibly excited about a promise that Jesus has spoken to us. Anybody, like, incredibly, did you get excited when you were telling your story? Because you just had a sense that you know that you knew that you know that it's, it's close and Jesus is going to fulfill the word. Who, who's that? Raise your hand. Mike? No? Okay. Would, y'all, would two of the two of you stand, please? Some of us like to uh, rejoice with those that are rejoicing. So if you would like to rejoice with Noel or with Mike, just like a couple of us move towards them and just like let them tell you the promise and rejoice and pray it to fulfillment, okay? There's more, so don't everybody go to them. How many of us are the opposite? We're just kind of worn out, waiting for a promise. That doesn't, it, we know it's there, but it just seems the pathway is so long, so indirect, and so incredibly difficult. Anybody worn out? Okay. <laughs> you want to stand up? <laughs> you can't stretch any further than that. Anybody else have a promise? You just feel worn out. Dorothy? Okay. That, they're the same household right there. Wow. <laughs> Anybody else? Celebrating or struggling? It's both. And we, now we want to care for each other, right? Let's say it. So let's have some folks praying with Noel. Let's have some folks praying with Mike. Some folks praying with Dorothy. Some folks praying with Rand. So just move as a community of people towards people that we want to encourage. So Jesus, as we begin into this time of ministry, we want to recognize that it's you that has spoken the word of promise. And as we come along, those that are celebrating and those that are struggling, we we recognize that you have a pathway that you want this promise to go. And we don't want to interfere with what you're up to. And we know you're up to something good. We know that you're up to something, a blessing. And you have your ways, and your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, Lord, those of us that are praying, those of us that are ministering, Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Would you help us to be right in step with you in what you're doing? Lord, as a community of people, would you remind us that you were faithful regardless of the path? You are faithful. You see your promises to the end. And so, Lord, uh, make yourself known now as we minister in your name through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to let ministry happen with uh, those around the room. And you're welcome to participate in that 
or if this is kind of the time for you to go, you're welcome to go. And I want to thank you for our morning together.